Today, on The Terrible Warriors, return to Simbaroom. This is part four of our series, so if you don't want to feel utterly lost in our collaborative story, you may want to go back to the start of this season. Don't worry, we'll still be rolling the dice when you get back. This episode includes content from the Promised Land adventure included in the core rulebook of Simbaroom, so if you don't want to be spoiled on who is holding which secrets from whom, consider this your spoiler alert. Of course, if you do wish to be spoiled because you may want to run this game, perhaps, we're giving away a free copy of Simbaroom every month during the release of this story. And congratulations to Malia Farrow, who is the winner of our September giveaway. We'll be in touch with you soon with a code to drive through RPG. To find out how you can enter the raffle for October, visit TerribleWarriors.com. This campaign is made possible by listeners just like you, who've decided to support us through Patreon at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. Listeners like Natalie Axelson, Jared Cherney, Lily Mills, Aguan, and Ben Eastman. Find out how you can become a supporter and receive advanced episodes of our Simba Room campaign at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. Now, the confessions have been made. Bellin and Ludo are horribly corrupted, with darkness growing inside of them. And the Iron Pact is closing in on their scent. But what are their demands? And what will our travelers do if the cost of this Iron Pact is too high to pay? This is part four of Simbaroom. The Choice. It is spoken of in legend that long ago, as Simbaroom crumbled into oblivion, the elves made an agreement with the human lords that no human would ever set foot inside the forest of Davokar, and in doing so, spread the darkness that seeped from old Simbaroom. The agreement was made with the human lords leaving a gift to seal the treaty. 6,000 rings of iron. And thus, the Iron Pact was born. What exactly the Iron Pact is, or how useful such an alliance can be, remains debated among the circles of the Queen's advisors and the masters of the Ordo Magica. But one thing is clear. Be they Ambrian or a barbarian of the clans, should you be charged with breaking the Iron Pact... The punishment is almost certainly death. When morning comes, the storm subsides. But the situation is far from ideal. And it's doubtful if the caravan can continue as the snow lies deep across the plateau. As we move into the center of the corral, a brawling discussion has erupted between Telk and others in the group who would rather not risk getting stuck on the road. Lestra and Bellin and Ludo are over on their side of the tent. The three of you are on yours. Doesn't look like Vert has slept at all. Argosto's working with 
the other coach riders like Telk to see what can be done about moving the wheels and digging the snow out. And Telk is trying to explain to Argosto, like, these things aren't moving, not with the snow. We are going to have to wait for a thaw or, uh, or we'll have to dig our way out and it could be another day before we can get moving. And Argosto's like, Telk, we don't have another day. That storm last night, that was not natural. We have to get going. We need to be in Ambria. No, it's like, I got it, boss. And he heads up to his caravan and he starts ordering some of the other, um, like the mule runners, like Keller was, out into the snow to start digging tracks so they can start getting the, 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 the wagons moving. Meanwhile, in the center of camp, Lestra is examining Ludo's stigmas and making notes and seeing and asking a lot more questions. Now that Ludo has confessed what's going on, asking more questions about when did you notice these wounds? And the 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 creepy Dr. Evil vibe she was giving the first night at the campfire, she's got a really good bedside manner here. There's almost a sense of sympathy that she has for Ludo and Bellin's predicament. And she is, she's writing down notes. She's got some salves that she has going like this won't help but it will ease the itching she says and Bellin is much less communicative uh, he's ex- he's complaining of a headache and uh, sitting around he's just not wanting to talk and he's like Ludo you shouldn't have told them all that we're going to be in trouble now Ludo he's like Bellin we couldn't just keep running can't you see how bad things are getting could it really have all just been from that skull and Lester's like I don't know I'd need to see it to study it where was it last? Sissel hold. We, we ran. We don't even know where it is. Where, do you know where it is, Bellend? I don't care where it is. Thinking rot in the ground for all I care. Alundra's going to um, have her own notebook out with her, and she's going to be recording notes as she listens in on this conversation about what has happened and what it's causing. That's okay. The Titan Mountains are a third-party state, so you're allowed to record without other people's uh, consent and knowledge. Just like California. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> she, she like if they look like she's not standing like super far away from them. She's not trying to hide it. She's just like very curious, but not interrupting. <laughs> Bertolum comes up beside and he's also writing things down, going like, This is pretty crazy, isn't it? I always told them, old Bartolum, one day you're gonna come across some people right before they turn into Blightborn. Have you ever seen what happens when someone finally gets fully corrupted? They say their skin turns inside out and they turn into abominations. I know, actually, abominations are my uh, point of study. I'm really, I can't believe that I've, I've never seen it actually, you know, before it happens. I've, uh, in fact, never actually seen a real abomination. This might be just the thing there's... that old Bartolom needs to get moved up into his order of wizard. Did I tell you I'm with the order of Magikai? I'm a wizard. He starts you writing did. things down. <laughs> I didn't know you uh, concerned yourself with abominations there. Uh, well, you know, we have our own tradition. It's a more refined version of that primitive practice of the witches. Oh, I'd be really interested in he learning says with more. with shot of Verd. <laughs> it's just gonna kill everyone what are the witches oh I think he's one the barbarians back in the Davokar forest they have a uh, a primitive understanding of magic and the arcane and they've worked it all with a lot of taboos and superstitions but the wizards we, we try to extract the science from it all have we seen Verdu's magic I don't think like he, we've just he, the spells Baird has used have all been sort of they've covert. all been passive yeah, yeah they've all site, been things like or um, yeah we, we didn't notice that he used the um, 
Oh, so maybe he doesn't point to Verd then. I, I'll rewind that. I'll take that back. Bartolom might not know that Verd is a witch. I mean, you're dressed like a witch. Yeah, he's yeah. still dressed as a witch. This is just a lender being dumb. Um, and back in the caravan the first night, he did use a spell that Argosto noticed. Yeah, Where yeah, you, was, you yeah. took the wounds from uh, Yandrame. Mm -hmm. So that Yandrame wouldn't have first blood in that fight. Yeah, and I think he said he's a, a witch uh, a few times. Yeah, I oh. don't think you were shy yes. about it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Lender just didn't really pick it up. So does that mean you can use magic beard? He just stares back at you. You can't just stick staring. It's an audio podcast. It's just <laughs> silent dead air. <laughs> you have to then say, I sit there staring. Yeah, he's just like staring at you. Just Uh, that's... Wow, that's really amazing. We should talk about this, actually. Oh my gosh, and Bartolom, you have a totally different... We should... Maybe we should do a study between the two of you. Bartolom kind of blushes. I mean, when we get to the other side of the Titans, I could I could show you the the uh, chapter house that I do all of my soil samples in. Oh my goodness, I would love that. That'd be so interesting. Do you have a lot of books there? I have so many books. Oh my God. <laughs> Bartolom walks away with like a... Yes, I got this. <laughs> Yandrame walks up behind Veard and just puts his hand on his shoulders. Did you sleep at all, friend? Oh. I mean, he's not looking great, right? Yeah, he's, he's like super tired. He's probably drinking like brown potion. <laughs> did you did you get any sleep? None at all. I, it would seem that now more than ever would be a time we need to rest. Now more than ever, we need to be vigilant. Those Just as you two. say that, Telk was up on the caravan looking down at the mule riders. He yells out, Elves! I think I see elves! There are elves coming! Oh no. Perhaps we should talk with them. No, all, all, the, all the talking. Lestra leaves Ludo and Bellin down. It, it moves over. Anyone who heads over to where Telk's caravan is and even just looking through, like there's the way the corral is built is you've got like six of these of wagons and they're they're set in like a circle formation with the campfire in the center of the circle. And between the gaps of the wagons, barrels and crates have been placed to create barricades and tent material has been put down to hold like so that the wind is blocked. So you're in this like walled castle that you've created in the center of this of this wagon so telk's on top of the wagon so anyone wanting to look around would actually have to climb up the wagons or peer through the barricades in between the wagons so where do you go to get a look after telk cries out elves i see elves coming uh, i mean Veert would uh move forward elendra's not moving she's sort of watching everyone and and yeah. is overwhelmed <laughs> Yeah, you're just staying by the campfire. Mm -hmm. Yandrame? Uh, he's getting ready. To, where, where? What direction does it look like the elves are coming from? Uh, it looks like they're coming from ahead the road where the mule drivers were digging into the snow. So he's getting going to so head in that direction. they're heading from the north, and they're heading south towards right. you. So he's going to head north toward the north end of the camp to try and... So anyone who's like on the wagon or looking through, you see two figures walking out of the still like the snow it's not clear like the sky isn't blue it's overcast the snow is still falling but it's falling lightly like a winter morning and you see coming out of the wintry fog uh two shapes the the, the two elves walk up quietly to the edge and then come to a stop before reaching the actual wagons and the taller one 
uh, with hands clasped in front of him, softly says, I am Godrai, and this, he motions to the silent one to his side, is Saranri. We have come for the ones named Belen and Ludo. Oh no. And Tel calls out, What do you, what do you want with Belen and Ludo? They have violated the treaties. They have tunneled too deep into the soil of old Davakar and are blight-stricken and must be purged. Well, at least they want to talk. I was right. Does anyone want to respond before I continue with my NPCs? I mean, Viard is just, like, looking over at the two, uh, more than willing to animal. Argasto has climbed up beside Talc, puts his hand on his shoulder, going, like, I'll handle this. Argasto looks down. I'm the owner of this caravan. And everyone in this camp is under my protection. I'm not handing them over to you or to anyone. If you have words with them, you can wait until we're in Yandera. Goldra's companion begins whispering something into their ear. Anyone who has a vigilant role yeah. with the ability of Loremaster oh, crap. pass a cunning test oh. to hear what's going on. Wait, you have to have Loremaster? That's the one of the abilities that you don't have. Yeah, <laughs> there is. We're all regretting it. And God <laughs> says, enough. I will have these two. Blood will flow if you refuse. We return at sundown. And he and his companion move away. Vaird, what is it about the Iron Pack that means that they have to kill these two? They protect the Davakar forest and the things that lie within it, ancient things. Argosto actually brings you, Vaird, as like, you seem to know what you're talking about. You know, how concerned should we be? Very. We don't know how many of the Iron Pact are here. You're, you're going to protect us, though, right? Says Ludo. And at this point, Lestra speaks up. Let us put these brothers in shackles. Let us take them to the monastery of the Twilight Friars, where we will care for them if they are sick. We want to know what this is. We cannot just hand them over to the elves and lose what we could learn from them. Could we not perhaps make that sort of bargain for, the, for them yeah, with the Yeah, elves? yeah, yeah. Take no. us with the Twilight Friars. I surrender. He puts his hands out to Lestra. The Iron Pack doesn't care for Ambrian ways. Yeah, Telk speaks up. Barbarian's right. I'm not putting my life on the line for two idiots who stole some skull from some old forest. I say we hand them over to the elves and get on with our journey. I agree. And Argosto's like, we can't just hand people over for summary execution just because of the word of two strangers. That's not how we do things. That is not. They should have informed us of their predicament before taking this passage. Ludo loudly proclaims, I vote that we don't go with the elves. And Belen mutters uh, some, like, agreement behind that. Maybe they won't kill them, though. Maybe they'll take them and do something like the Twilight um, people. Well, better them, them than me, says Telk. The laws of Prios were not founded on just caving to violence. <sighs> well. We should- there are laws concerning Prios, and these two have violated the laws of the Iron Pact. Lestra uh, hears what you're saying, Andrame, and tries to lean into your spirituality. Prios, the order, the one, 
and the giver of laws wants the corrupted brought to Embria, where my brothers and sisters will care for them. And she's saying that kind of backing up on what you just said, Andrew May, but also to the group to try and get them to calm down because they're right now leaning with Telk to be like, throw them to the wolves. And Lester is like, we don't just throw people to the wolves. We can care for the sick. That is all they are. Sick. But if we keep them, then what does that mean for the caravan? Uh, you heard Ludo's story. No crime was committed. It was a they crime. They passed a skull around a campfire. Whether they knew it or not. The crime committed was by those who ran their group. They were just hired to lead the way. It is unfortunate, but it is a crime nonetheless. Were they informed that it was a crime? I saw no laws posted. Crimes do not have to be posted for it to be a crime. It's an old pact. What a terrible system. No wonder we need to bring civilization to these lands. Corruption and darkness doesn't care for your ignorance. (laughs) Regardless, we either lay down our lives for these two fools or we give them up. Is there a chance we could outrun them and just, No. if we get the... This weather is created by them. Who knows whatever other magic they might employ. Taking in the crowd, it's split evenly between those who are siding with Lestra and those who are siding with Telk. Argosto is trying to keep order between them. So the debate the three of you are currently having is going to be reflected among the NPCs. Whatever you decide will tip the balance on whether or not you decide to defend Belen and Ludo or hand them over for extradition to the elves. If we give them Belen and Ludo, then they will die. But if we don't, who knows how many of us will die? Who knows how many of the elves will die? That seems... In terms of life, it just seems logical. I heard them whispering, says Lestra. I heard what they said. They will kill this entire expedition if they come for Belen and Ludo. They won't leave any of us. They cannot believe and trust that any of us have not been corrupted by merely being in their presence. Handing them over will not keep any of you safe. Who has... Vigilant is what you would do to yeah. catch through a, a lie, right? Yeah, yeah vigilance like against yeah. discreet. What's the uh, uh, modifier? There is no uh, modifier. Okay. Success for me. Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> Baird, you got a success? Yeah. Lestra is doing what it takes to win the crowd over, but she is not telling the truth about what the elves whispered to each other. Yeah, Vierd will. But because none of you had lore master, she gets to yeah, use that. Yeah, Vierd will to help whisper the to the male uh, Ambrian this fact. Um, not himself, not willing to step up just because he's a barbarian in this weird place. Alendra totally fucking buys it. She's like, because yeah, I bought it too. Yeah. Oh no, uh, maybe then we should. Nothing like playing into human fears of elven prejudice, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what makes you think they're lying, Veard? Or she's lying? The way they twitch, a slight shifting of their eyes. The way her... Embryons. 
the way her Shit's Creek accent drops in and out of the performance. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's very suspicious. So you don't believe the elves would actually murder us all either way? No. No, I don't. Especially um, recognizing them as summer elves. They're not as dogmatic as the autumn elves, and they're not as fickle and unpredictable as the spring elves. Summer elves tend to be... I mean, for one, they make up the majority of their army. And for the other, they tend to be more conservative in approach when they're making public entries like this. Well, Ergosto looks to the three of you going, you've handled yourselves up here better than I could ever have imagined. I think we can all agree in this camp that we trust you to do what's right for the safety of this caravan. What do you think we should do? I cannot in good conscience condone handing these men over to a fate unknown, but I also believe my companion that the entire caravan is not necessarily in danger should we do so I think if we're looking at numbers of lives it makes sense to turn over the two of them that's wise Lestra would very much like for you to turn the two of them over to the custody of the black cloaks that would be my preference we wouldn't even have to continue all the way to Yanderos their monastery is just on the other side of here on the titans we won't make it well, can the Black Coke speak to the um, elven people on our behalf? We made it against just fine against that elf you fought earlier today, uh, yesterday. That was one. And this is two. Who knows if there's more? That is their strength. They can pretend there are more. We're a long way from Davokar. That might be all that was here. If they wanted to show a force in numbers, they would have done so this morning. They have a witch with them as well. So do we. And we have a priest, a wizard, a black cloak, and at least a dozen or so strong and abled coach riders. It's foolish. People will die. People always die. What if we don't turn them over and then we can't even continue? We'll never get to see our parents again. You know, we, we have a goal to get over the mountain here and... And we still have time. They might turn into an abomination any of these days. We will handle that if it comes up. But no, you'll die. Abominations are what the light of Prios is meant to destroy. Have you fought an abomination? Can't be worse than the undead we faced the other day. It's horrific compared to that. That was a summer breeze upon your cheek. Alendra... Your beast lore, you are an adept in fighting abominations. You've read all about them. You've yeah. seen the pictures. You've seen the schematics. You've read the wiki. Yeah. Elendra's <laughs> yeah. just been like, she never thought she'd actually in her life be able to see someone who's in the process of becoming an abomination and maybe even could be one. But now she's very upset. She's clearly leaning towards Vared's idea, but she doesn't want to go against her brother. Oh, against your brother. <laughs> Andrew, no, you can't. Well, I can't tell you what to do. This is one of the mm-hmm. things I love about Simbaru uh, is at this point, we're off the rails. Yeah. The choice is yours to make, not mine. And there is no wrong answer. 
yeah. decision here. My problem is like Yandrame would be so morally opposed to this. Oh no, it's fine. This is the problem yeah. is that. Yeah, and this is a thing that both Yandrame and Ver yeah. really you two need to settle this. Yeah. You need to decide what hill are you gonna die on here. <laughs> I mean part of Verd, I think at the same time, this is a this is an Ambrian caravan. If they want to be Ambrians and just be stupid fucking idiots, then maybe it's time for boy and girl to learn a yeah, lesson. Yeah, I mean, in the end, he has to go with the the flow. However, he brings these two yeah. Ambrians. Over. The female and the male Ambrian are going to make the bad call, and you're going to be there to return their remains mm-hmm. to their parents. I did my best. They playing with abominations until. So I think you're seeing that like the, t- the 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 scales have tipped in favor of Yandrame and Lestra, and even you know to a lesser degree, Alindra is just you know you're, you you want to back up your brother, right? And uh, and so it sounds like the group mm-hmm. is leaning in favor of protecting them, rejecting the elves' offer, protecting Bellin and Ludo. And most likely handing them over to the Twilight Friars. Yeah, I'm going to to look at the the male Ambrian. Because you can't just let people with nine corruption just no walk. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Like that's where we're all in but agreement. It's a matter of are they sinners that deserve death, or are they sick who deserve treatment? Yeah, Vierd uh, will will provide one final argument to the male Ambrian. Okay. If at the end of this. You're holding the dead corpse of your sister, torn apart by your choices here and now. You're going to look back at this moment, and you're going to regret every day that follows it. Just remember that, because that is very likely. You might wake up in the middle of the night to having your sister's belly split open, the gnashing of claws and teeth her lifeblood spilt upon the snow, and she'll never see this promised land. But is that not the fate of these two men if I don't intervene? Who do you can love I, more? Can I in good conscience let two men who've done nothing more wrong than touch an artifact? I guess that's for you and your conscience, which is most important to you, and which can you live with? I'll leave it to you. Male Ambrian. He'll pat him on the back. He'll smoke his pipe. Okay! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Got shivers over here. I feel like Vared was speaking from experience. There. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> Tell more about the source of those nightmares and addiction of yours. Yeah, yeah. There might be a reason he smokes that pipe. Oh, God. Okay. So it's been decided then. We're going to protect them? We are going to... We, we have chosen for combat. Okay. We've chosen okay. death. <laughs> I like it. I should have picked okay. a different character. All right. We've decided. <laughs> Sundown, we fight. And he starts ordering around to, like, build up the defenses of the caravan, start making sure everyone's got weapons and arms. If you've got anything in your belongings, now's the time to bring it out. These elves are dangerous, Lestra says. Godry is a summer elf in full bloom, and the younger one is a summer elf skilled in battle. We will be ready. A small question. I have Medicus at novice, and 
It says that as a clever surgeon, the character can make a test against cunning to heal 1d4 or 1d6 when using an herbal cure. Is there something like gathering herbs that Elendra could do before we get to sunset in preparation possibly for doing medicine? Yes. Okay. So Elendra's going to spend the day and she's going to go and be like memorizing. Okay, you want to use wormwood for this and then you want to do this. And then she's like chatting to herself as she like gathers um, herbs. I, I kind of assume you already have this on you. Sure. Okay. Before we went on the trip, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you have abilities that you can't use. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you use up your abilities, like this addiction that Verd has is supposed to cost him a shilling a yeah. day. So once eventually he's gonna run out of money, mm-hmm. and then he's gonna have to find out where he's getting his addiction satiated. Uh, but if you, everyone at least is gonna start with the ingredients they need to at least be able to do everything once. Mm-hmm. And then if things get broken or lost, then we go from there. Okay, perfect. Alright. Uh, May is going to pray to Prios and pray that he's made the right decision, because he's not 100% certain that he did. But the die is cast. Mm-hmm. Dead sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, all of the um, all of the members of the caravan are around their wagons when they've got like spears a few of them have swords some of them have arrows for hunting they're all nervous and they're keeping an eye out the light begins to fade the snow has been coming down softly all day and there's still like that fresh powder everywhere and then you start hearing the hoof prints walking its way through the snow and coming out of the haze riding on a huge elk Godry appears and just as he gets just out of range, he dismounts off of the elk and pats on it. And it turns and it walks back out into the, into the fog. And then just as he does that, walking in and then transforming into a Beamon, which is kind of like a boar or like a bear form. Yeah, it's, uh, form. Uh, I think it's used by one of the barbarian clans. Yeah. The other summer elf the younger one transforms and then stands beside Galdry. can I uh, do my roll on this transformed creature yeah it's a beast lore so it'd be you're just looking for um, like their cultural characters I'm like just getting really unlucky I, I did not make that it's just against my cunning oh it is against my cunning right so it's yes. a, never mind I did make it a 14 hey. thank god I have a high cunning Mm-hmm. So they are an elf of early summer, mm-hmm. and a beemon is uh, is a bear with claws with armor of bear skin. So they attack with claws. Cool. Um, I want to fight a bear. <laughs> they have an ability of iron fist. Their resistance is considered ordinary. So, um, like two of you could probably take them on. Okay. She's going to whisper this knowledge. The late summer elf, Godry, is much going to be a much more challenge. He's equipped with a bow and sword and a lacquered silk cuirass. So he's got a little bit more armor on him. Okay. Uh, Alinder will sort of like whisper this to Verdon and Deandrome. Godry calls out. Says exactly what he said earlier this morning. 
We're here for the ones named Belen and Ludo. Hand them over. This will be your final warning. With our sincerest apologies, we cannot. We will take care of them. They will be dealt with. But not by your hand. Please leave peacefully. Gaudry looks down at the other elf that's turned into the Beemon. Saranri, recover our quarry. And as the bear charges forward towards the caravan, we will look to our initiative pulse. <laughs> I regret everything. <laughs> Ludo and Bellin are in the center of the kid going, oh, <laughs> I regret everything. Um... Love a fight where all players hate that they're doing it. Yeah, I was like, we don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Can we just go pick flowers? So the bear is charging towards Telk's caravan, who is keeping our lookout. And it just, it jumps onto the side, parkours off of it, leaps over Telk. Telk has got the spear and kind of goes up and it, it completely dodges the attack. And it lands in the center of the camp. There's Ludo and Belen over at the far side of the campfire with Lestra standing between them just like they were the other day with the wolf. And Belen is like, no, 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 no. He's just muttering to himself and Ludo is like, he's, he's finding his axe and being like, it's okay, Belen, it's okay. They're gonna, they're gonna look after us. Aww. We're gonna be okay. At this point, his shirt's been like taken apart because Lestra's been looking at him and you just see his whole body is covered in sores. He's like a leper. Oh, God. And Belen isn't talking as much anymore. He's just, like, going, no, 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 no. Patron saint, what do you do? Uh, I kind of look at the ghostly outline of this saint, which I guess is probably pretty bright now, considering there's two elves attacking us. Oh, that's got it. And, and with the failing light, now we're fighting, like, just at sundown. It's getting darker. Where the patron saint moves, shadows go everywhere. It's glowing brightly. And I remember I said it was glowing brightly from the direction of where danger was, mm-hmm. right? Okay, this time it's just glowing brightly from all directions. Oh, great. <laughs> so there's a look, a nod, and it charges after the bear. Okay, so roll your accurate. Okay. No modifiers or? You, yeah, no, there's a modifier. Minus one. Minus one? Okay. So I need 12 or under. I'm imagining as we're, uh, uh, when we travel, the spirit will sometimes like, have a little flare of glow as like Veard to uh, Veard uh, imagines uh, <laughs> killing like oh, man, that would that would make everything so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing in, in, in true like uh, nothing too sincere, but it's just, yeah, but just a little flicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like it. <laughs> I like uh, it so I rolled a five, so I definitely hit fifty-six. Two. That's probably not even gonna get through armor. Uh, a two? No, it doesn't get through the armor. It's just flailing and attacking, but taking its attention away from the other two. Um, after that, it's Elindra's turn. Oh, Elindra has, like, been trying to mentally steal herself. Uh, she has out her pike, and she's going to step forward and go to stab the bear thing. The beemon. With your pike? With my pike. Yep, yep. Accurate roll. Six, so I do it. Hey. Yes, you do. And 1d8. That's a 1d8. That's a one. 
<laughs> the one. <laughs> so same deal. Like you get in for the attack, and you just you don't you're not really committing to the thrust because at the same time, then you look at it, you're just like, oh, it's just a cute bear, and you just kind of get out of here, and you just poke at it, but not enough to like break skin or do any damage. Go, go, get! And you're just kind of smacking it like you're hitting like your pike is the end of a broom handle. Trying to scare him off from camp. Oh boy. It's still an elf. And, and Ludo, he's got his axe out and he sees this fight going on with the bear and he sees Lester standing there and he looks over at Ludo and Ludo is, uh, he's not gone, or Bellin has not gone for his axe and Ludo's like, hey Bellin, hey Bellin, it's okay buddy, they're gonna look after us, they're gonna look after us. Hey, something's not right. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Baird's turn. We're in trouble. Darn it. Uh, oh. Looking after... The male and female uh, Ambrians. Uh, he is going to shoot at the uh, the bear. The bear. Um, the bear. The bear. Uh, what's the modifier again? Minus one. Okay. Uh, yeah. The the shot barely like. Maybe like get some hair and then smash. Yeah, you're into keeping the... like you're shooting. But you're also keeping one eye on this whole Ludo Bella yeah, thing, like... and you're like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, guys. Saron Ree wants to push off from the patron saint and move around the 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 fire towards Bellin and Ludo, uh, so it will swipe at the patron saint and then disengage and move away from it. Okay. So no, it can do even better. It can it can spend two movement actions to avoid no, that would be if it was passing by. Actually, we're, we're, we're within it's the engaged. So it's engaged. So it's going to attack and then it's going to move back and then that, that'll give patron saint another attack on it. Uh, it uh, has claws and it attacks uh, against the patron saint's defense, so you're rolling 14 under. Okay. 12. Okay, and the patron saint just, like, it just swipes through, because it's, like, this non-corporeal thing, and uh, and it backs off around the... It, it starts moving towards Bellin and Ludo around the campfire with uh, that. The patron saint can take a swipe at it. Cool. It moves away. Accurate minus one, so... Nope. That's a swing and a miss. No. no. It's, uh... Things are moving a little bit too uh, too fast there for the patron saint. Goldry's turn. You see up on the caravan a couple of um, of the caravan coachmen and Telk uh, takes an arrow in his shoulder and falls off the top of the caravan and lands on the ground as Godry climbs above and you just see kind of silhouetted from the failing oh, no. sundown light and the snow and then the light shining up underneath from the campfire in the center of camp, the blowing cloak of Goldry as he's got his arrow just begins firing at anyone who's moving towards him and keeping an eye on Saranri and keeping a very close eye on Ludo and Bellin. Bellin's turn. Oh no. I feel fine, Ludo. I feel... And he just starts crying out in pain like there's something inside of him and he's just ah it hurts so much Ludo Yandrame your turn oh no well I guess I'm gonna take a swing at the bear at this point Ludo has got Bellin like in a hold like he's holding him as 
Bellin is just writhing in pain. Uh. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sure yeah. it's fine. Yandermay's turn. The bear is smelling this and just snarls and is moving, or the bear, the bemoan, is moving around the campfire and just getting closer to Bellin and Ludo as Lestra is now standing in between them with her spear out. Well, I'm going to run to try and hit the bear, I think, and like distract it again from them. Mm-hmm. So move closer and then take a swing. And likely miss. No, I rolled a one. No. Oh. oh, that's crit. It's a crit. Now, is, is crit a thing in Cimbarone, uh-huh. Mitch? So what happens with a crit? Uh, this uh, is our first critical yeah. roll in, uh, in five hours of playing Cimbarone. <laughs> Let me pull up my combat uh, reference ah. sheet here. I've never been so excited to roll a one. So happy for you. This is, yeah, it's a nice change. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh. Yeah, so it's under special rules. That's what it is. Some players might seem appropriate for severe wounds to affect the change of success. For these groups, we recommend the following. Whenever a creature suffers damage that surpasses its pain threshold, it is given a second chance to fail all success tests. Oh, is there not a crit? There isn't actually one, a rule for crit. Yeah. So critically damage is when you deal so much damage that you're higher than the pain threshold. So in this one, actually, the critical damage would happen in your damage rolls. Yeah. The damage. It's got nothing so to do with So one is great, yeah. but if you roll an eight on your short sword... Right. That could deal pain threshold levels of damage, and that would be a critical hit. Right, where you get to roll another attack. Or... And that could actually then create that for the rest of the scene, the player is going to take a disadvantage to all of their attribute rolls, all their saving rolls. Roll high for the okay. love of Bob. Uh, we believe in you. That's just a four. It's a four. That's two damage, though, that yeah. lands on him. Hey, that's still something. We'll take it. Patron Saint. Ludo and Bellin are, are there. The, the bear is moving in. Lestra is looking over her shoulder and it's like, something's not right. And Godry has stopped shooting arrows into the crowd. He takes the arrow he had in, the air, in his bow away and he pulls from a second quiver, a different looking kind of arrow with the arrowhead shining green in the... Uh, in the light of the fire and is now taking aim at Belen and Ludo from his vantage point high up. Uh-oh. Given Alindra's knowledge of abominations, does she have any suspicions about what's happening to Belen right now? Is it like very obvious to anyone or? I think Vaird would know for sure if they used their witch site. Yeah. Yeah, I'll... It's hard to tell if it's indigestion or <laughs> yeah, I... some kind yeah, of, I... you know, other sickness. Yeah, this witchcraft, like, uh, witch site is uh, free. Uh, I, I feel like he definitely at this time uh, would take the temporary. So you still need to roll Vigilant Discreet in an attempt to see the dominant shadow. Uh, so, yeah. Each such attempt forces the character to suffer one temporary corruption. Okay, so you need to roll a Vigilant Discreet. What's the modifier? So which one are you targeting to look at? Ludo or Bellin? Uh, Ludo. He's the one who's... Ludo's the one going, it's okay, oh, something's no, no, wrong. Bellin's the one Bellin. going, ah, something that hurts! Guy. Yeah, let's figure out if it's indigestion. All right, so you're rolling plus three. Oh, then yeah, I... I, I they have, like, no it. discretion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. The shadow that was moldy green with spots of growing darkness this morning is now oozing black and is thoroughly corrupted. Yeah. Beard will yell out, he's turning into an abomination. 
and then look over at male Ambrian. It's patron saint's turn. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> he, he sighs heavily and as far as he knows that like you can't come back from that, right? There's no one that has ever come back from being an abomination that has ever that's not a thing. So no one who's ever He still looks human. Yeah. You're just taking Vared's word for it? Oh, that's true, yeah. But he, he's just on the ground in pain. He hasn't changed yet. Vared is just saying he's going to. We're almost out of time. Out of time to do what? <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> the elves just want to... The elves know what to do. This is your last chance to save everyone. Kill him. Kill him <laughs> now. I might not always agree with this barbarian, but he's generally been right. Uh, but So the patron saint is going to go stand between Ludo and... Is it going to pull Ludo off yeah. of Belen and get Ludo to safety? Yeah, it's going to pull him away. It could be persuasive, but that's really low. So I, I'm just going to say for them, it's just going to be inaccurate. It's just going to be an accurate unarmed attack. Right. Basically just grab him from the scruff of his neck like pulling a cat. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the modifier? Uh, for Ludo, um, there is no modifier. Okay. The modifier flat. involves the shield that he's not using right now. Right, because he's not. Okay. That's uh, a six, so yeah. So you just grab Ludo, and Ludo's like, no, no! And he's just lifted up in the air by an invisible force and uh, <laughs> placed on the ground, and, and there's now space. The patron saint is standing between Ludo and Belen. Elindra, Godrai has their arrows trained on Belen. <laughs> and Lestra is now turning to look at Ludo and Belen and isn't as interested right now in, like, doesn't know what to, like, is is the bear the threat? Or is Belen the threat after what Vare just said? Alindra was very clearly not super committed to hurting this bear. Belen, like, beads of sweat are going down their body and sores are opening up all over their skin. Having heard what Vare says, having known the process of abominations by which they're created, Alindra is going to look at Belen in terror and go to harm him, stab him with her pike. Oh, oh snap! Oh, yeah. so it's just like before this transformation happens. She wants to kill him. Oh, come on, make it cool. Let me hit. Come on. <laughs> what do, do I have any modifiers to this? Um, With the patron saints standing where they are, I'll let you have a flanking bonus. So what does that mean? I rolled a uh, 14. Plus two. I miss! Oh, no! <laughs> it could have been cooler. Well, no, actually, well, flanking adds another two, right? So you need to roll 16 or oh, under. Oh, I did do that. I got a oh, 14. Oh, thank goodness. Oh. I just had to absolutely spoon. Oh. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for giving it to me. Win is a win, folks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so uh, hit the pike 1d8 damage. Go for okay. it. Okay. And uh, plus 1d4 for uh, advantage. Yes. Right, because I have that, because I know these things. So it's a two of damage plus my four. So 1d8, 1d4? Yes, so that's four points of damage. (laughs) We don't want him to turn into an abomination, she's going to say as she goes for the jugular. She doesn't actually specifically go there. She goes wherever she can hit. (laughs) Face. She ain't that good with her spike yet. (laughs) Your pike sinks into his belly and he cries out and then he grabs the pike. Oh God. And he's holding it in his belly as blood is pouring out of his teeth and he's 
his grimace and his face are stretching further than a grimace should stretch. Ludo is like, no, no, that's my friend Bella. Don't do this. And he's trying to get through the patron saint. So he's going to just try and hit the patron saint. So patron saint, give me a, uh, uh, a defense roll. Uh, you're rolling um, 15 or under. Oh, 18. Oof. He fails it. He <laughs> fails it. The patron saint lets Ludo deal four damage to him. Roll your armor. See how much you sync up. Three. Three. Yeah. So you take one point of damage. The patron saint just stands in yeah. the way. Like, he'll take this hit. He'll keep Ludo safe. Oh, patron saint. Patty. Vared's turn. So the pike is sunk into Belen's belly, and Belen is gripping it, and you can see his skin is getting tighter, and the wounds are starting to spread and split across their body. Oh, God. Yeah, Veard uh, is uh, dropping his crossbow, and he's racing towards female Ambrian to just kind of, <laughs> like, push her out of the way. Like, get the heck out. Oh, you're, you're going to push Elindra away from Velen? Yeah. Okay. Elindra, are you going to let that happen? I mean, no, she's going to try and resist it. She's trying. Okay, because if you're going to let that happen, you would just roll for it. But if you're going to roll to resist it, then Vaird, you're rolling against... I'm not strong. An accurate minus three. I got a five. You just... You did it. Push her. Now, do you push her into the fire or do you push her... <laughs> you push her into one of the tents. Yeah, like, oh, there you go. That solves that problem. Uh, no, just, uh, yeah, so you just come by shoulder in and just go, Ugh, you just knock her out of the way. Yeah. She's uh, pretty flimsy to BH. You lose the grip of your pike yeah. as the pike is still in Belen's belly and you just go flying away. Sarah and Ree's turn, um, moving beside you, Vaird. It doesn't move to attack. It's It, it moves up to Belen. And you have an attack of opportunity to stop it from moving towards Belen because it's moving past you, but it's not being threatening to you. It's moving to attack uh, Belen yeah. and moving in with its claws. Yeah, uh, he, he's like, and, and when he tackled female Ambrian, he, he, he's who would have yelled out like, "It's too late, get back!" So the the Saren Re gets on top of Belen and just starts cutting into its claws, and as it's cutting though. Blood is not coming out of the wounds that are on Belen's body. Oh, gross. Oh. Godry yells out to Sarah and Ree to fall back. It's too late. The change has begun. And he knocks his arrow and fires one into Belen, and it lands in the center of his head. And the grimace continues, and the head falls back and peels away as another head reaches out of its neck and its skin begins to unfold and another body begins pulling itself out of Belen's body, this one skinned and muscles showing off. And the head that pulls itself out of the neck that was Belen's head is crowned in a thorn protruding from its skull as muscles and sinew and a grimacing smile push itself out of Belen's body. This towering creature with bare muscles, its fingers transformed into knives of bone that outgrow from the flesh. 
It's furious. It's famished. This is fine. Everything's it's fine. Fine. <laughs> fine. We're good. It's fine. We're all fine. That's where we're going to end this episode. Ooh, okay. <laughs> ah! You wanted to see an abomination? Yeah. I no, I love this. This is great. This is amazing. <laughs> Ainsley is stoked. Lindra? The Terrible Warriors return every Tuesday with new story episodes playing Simbaroom. And if you would like to know what Godry was whispering to Sarah and Ree in today's episode, the best way is to get your hands on Simbaroom's core rulebook and read it yourself. To help you on that quest, we're offering one lucky listener every month a free digital copy of Simbaroom. For more information, check the show notes or visit terriblewarriors.com. To learn more about Simbaroom, visit freeleaguepublishing.com. And if you like this show and you want to hear more, we exist only thanks to our continued supporters from our Patreon page at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. By becoming a supporter this season, you'll receive a special role on our Discord server to mark you as one of our own. By supporting just two trips on public transit each month, you'll also receive each new story episode from our Simbaroom campaign one week before everyone else. And for the cost of just one movie ticket, you can join our private tip club where I host virtual tabletop games for our tip club members every month. Your Terrible Warriors today have been Mitch Wallace, Sean Horbachuk, Ainsley Moores, and me, Justin Eacock. Editing and production is also by me. Music is licensed through Epidemic Sound. And next week on The Terrible Warriors, the elves and the caravan join sides to face against the harshest foe imaginable, Belen Blightborn. <laughs> <laughs>